Welcome back to another Ag Watchers, folks. We've got special guests, actually two of them today, uh, a partnership. Isn't it, Andrew, a partnership? A, par- uh, a partnership got- <laughs> of love. And, uh, and farming. Uh, in uh, the middle of Australia, we've got Gillian and Mark Fennell. And we just had a, a bit of a discussion around your surname. We might go into that a bit later. But welcome, guys, to uh, an Ag Watchers. Um, we saw you guys in camera, but it's nice to actually ha- have a chance to have a chat. Um, do you want to just um, give the listeners a little bit of a quick summary of who you are? Right. So we're Mark and Gillian Fennell. We uh, are on a family-owned and operated cattle station in the far north of South Australia, pretty close to Alice Springs, only about 450 kilometres south of Alice. Um, we've got just shy of a million acres and about how many cows at the moment? Oh, about 4,500. Yep, 4,500 head of cattle. We live here with our children. And um, that's it because we can't get any staff. The ones you can afford, you you can't afford them. And the, the ones you can afford, you don't want. And the ones you want, you can't afford. So it's just us. We might um, we might touch on that a bit later. The difficulties in uh, in getting into the more you know kind of remote areas. Uh, it's hard enough in some places that, uh, for, for labour. You know, just you know, hundred or two hundred k from the city. But you guys are well and truly in the middle of nowhere. Just, just, just want to point out as well that it's not. It's not Gillian's first rodeo. No, it's not. She's been on before. She she came on episode seven yeah. of this podcast. Yeah, we are trying to get some some. Yeah, you know, and, previous... and and our professionalism as podcasters has <laughs> declined massively in that time. Uh, that's because the... that climbing back up again now. No, well, well, the the guests are okay. There's no problem with the guests. <laughs> yeah, it's it's, it's the us guests just the problem. Fine. Yeah, they, but the listeners say they like that kind of silliness. So, but before we speak, we've got to, we have some of them do. Well, yeah, well, if some, of them like make, it, some of them make complaints. It's a bit too if familiar. They, if they, uh, we're very familiar, but if, it, if they don't like it, don't listen, isn't it? Isn't that what you say? Um, so, but we've introduced a new, a new aspect to the podcast since Gillian was on last time is the sixth mm. sense. And I, I'm wondering how we're going to manage to do it this time around with, uh, with two. People on the other side of the uh, the screen, Andrew. But we might just put the thing out there, and the first one to jump in with something as a, as a response. You guys familiar with this? We do a sixth sense, so it's a word association uh, piece. So, and so we, we we say a word, you tell us the first thing that comes to mind. Yeah, and so this way actually it works better because because depending upon whether it's Mark or Julian that has the first thought that comes to mind, oh. we might get. We might get different answers at the same time. We, might, we could, we could, we could, really in charge now. <laughs> we, 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 we oh, could, we, oh, Gillian would just say all the words and Mark. Of course, I, of course I, I agree. Words. I agree. <laughs> Mark would just nod. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's that's the safest way. <laughs> we, 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 we don't think we've actually had an Ag Watchers divorce yet. <laughs> no, we haven't. No, but, we haven't. but, but, but it's yeah. early days. <laughs> We, we could we could open up we could say you know something and that and then it'll, that'll just be the end of the podcast just the yeah, yeah. we can't have a divorce half yeah. of nothing still nothing <laughs> <laughs> right so we're launching at six at six uh, we say a word and you guys come back with a short phrase or a first thing that comes to mind as a word isn't it Andrew do you want me yes. to kick it off or do you want me to yeah, kick you it off Canberra Alice Springs. <laughs> Yeah. I'll have to agree with that one. Camera's just like a colder, better dressed Alice Springs. We might have to we might have to go back as to why 
Alice Springs was. We'll come back to that one, Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> Crocs. Oh, that's going to be you, Andrew. You're the uh, croc master. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I, I was thinking more of the tropical tropical reptile, but anyway. <laughs> Black pudding. Oh, not bad. Oh, oh there you, there's See? the divorce right there. There we go. I had the Argentinian version, but whatever. Ah uh, well, one one day you can try the Scottish first, and then you'll be beautiful. Lumpy skin disease. Oh, that's yeah, that's a big Northern. one at the moment. Oh, you can't say that no, though. No, it's but... a big issue for the entire industry. It's it's going to be big if we if it does end up here. I hope it doesn't. It's going to be a big thing for the industry to deal with. Yep. Farm labour. Oh, impossible. Non-existent. <laughs> Is that six? I, didn't, I wasn't keeping track. I think we're close enough uh, to it, aren't we? We're close enough, yeah. I reckon yeah. six. Close enough to it. We'll, we'll, roll, we'll roll straight into it. So we that's mentioned camp. polish you were talking about. Yeah, that's yeah. it. You've kept we such mentioned... detailed notes. No, that's it. Yeah, we're, we're... Very, <laughs> we're very professional. Hold, very hold professional. on hold on, while I get my script out. <laughs> uh, two packets of bread, one no. pack of socks. <laughs> oh, that's the wrong list. So, so we mentioned Canberra at the outset, and you guys said Alice Springs. I think the first thing came to mind. We, we actually just caught you guys in person in Canberra last week for the National Farmers Federation. You guys went to the diversity dinner, and then you didn't stay around for the NFF thing, though, did you? No, the, well, our plans were changing so frequently. I was in last year's cohort for the Diversity in Agriculture program, which was a great program. And if anyone's listening to this, applications have been extended to apply for that so make sure you get your application in it is a really valuable thing and we did intend to stay for the conference but i was scheduled to go to another meeting in brisbane so we thought we'd better pack up and go home so mark could at least return to work and that conference got that meeting got turned into a tele meeting so yeah we just abandoned everything and and just because <laughs> we because we, we kind of caught you we were going into the casino and you were walking out and we caught each other on the steps. Yep. Uh, so the diversity thing, what's that all about? So it's a program that was started by uh, National Farmers Federation to try and meet the, 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 the benchmark of 50% representation of, of women, especially, but they are moving into other forms of diversity in the future ah. in, in, in agriculture from, from, top to bottom so in management roles and also just entering into the industry as laborers or whatever it it's you know for such a long time women weren't even allowed to call themselves farmers or anything on the census forms so it's it's a really big thing and what I took from it was that there's all these really smart talented women out there but they don't because they're just I don't know in such a I don't want to say anti-women, but they've come up against such a male-dominated field, whatever it might be, because there's women there from all different aspects of the industry and the supply chain, that they just don't understand or can't act, see their own value and worth. And just being in a room with a group of women who've had similar experiences and can share horror stories and how they get around it and that sort of stuff, I think just, just fills you with confidence and you can go home and, and really make some positive changes. You think it has I, been... I, sorry, sorry, I was gonna, I was gonna mention that because, because, somebody did mention to me actually, at about one o'clock in the morning at the casino, they they mentioned to me that uh, they were changing the entry requirements for the diversity thing. 
and they and they suggested I should put my name forward. Why? Because you're foreign. No, because as a man that wears a dress of sorts. <laughs> no, but as 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 look, diversity is about diversity. That's the dictionary definition. Yeah, it there's, is. There's and not it, there's not many white foreign working class people like me. No, there are, so, so, especially so, from a non-ag background. Non-ag background, in, yeah. In an ag field, and that's right. And I'm, I'm more diverse than most of the diversity people. Oh. I'm only know. kidding. I'm quite pissed. That's a pretty long bow to draw, that one. But anyway, but it is true. Like, it, diversity does mean more than just women versus men, and there's an acknowledgement of that because you also have the, you know, um, people who identify as or may not identify as a gender. There's, you know, lesbians, gays, uh, what do they call? Oh, I don't know. Um, I'm not up with all the terminology and that sort of stuff. But we need I think to be more you can just say, you just say the plus, the plus ones. Isn't <laughs> I, that, I, that... I sit on a board with a very old fashioned man and he calls them the alphabet people. Um, <laughs> okay, that's um, all the that's... different letters that they represent. So, not politically correct, but you instantly know what he's talking about. Yeah. But, 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 but I do think it, like I, I personally do think it's good to get, I was kind of being facetious when I said that I should go for it because um, I probably shouldn't. But uh, he's more, you're more Australian than Scot Scottish these days. No, nowadays with my accent, with my completely Aussie-fied accent, uh, it's, it's, people don't even, people don't even realise that I was a foreigner. Mm. I was like, good day, mate. I was a gun, mate. Yeah, nah. <laughs> and uh, actually, the accent when you do an Australian accent is better than when you do a Scottish accent. Oh, like much actually... I can do a much better Australian accent than a Scottish one. Like Australian ones, spot on. It's bonza, mate. You know, it's, it's a ripper accent. Whereas my yes. Scottish one is like, ah, I don't know what you're talking about, man. <laughs> Go and get us a totty scone and a glass of whiskey. See, it doesn't even sound yeah. Scottish. And and he, and he doesn't like to drink whiskey. So I, I actually know. did have a couple of whiskeys last well, week. That, uh, as per my expenses receipts. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's it. That, that's it, Mark. He's not drinking you good get quality. Rid of the scotch part of the whiskey. Business end. Just just so, so but anyway, going going back to that, I do think it is important diversity. Like Matt and I are quite in in reality, we're very much different from a lot of other people who do our jobs. Like yeah, our yeah, our day-to-day -day job. I was wondering yeah. where you were going with that one. I was saying we're not, we're not the most yeah. diverse in the world. No, we're not that diverse uh, yeah, in reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're too, too fat, middle-aged. White men. People. Hmm. With, and one of us is balding. <laughs> uh, but, the, um, but the reality is that we are a different type of diversity and that neither of us come from a farm. Mm. We both come from working-class backgrounds. We both come from scummy areas. Like... <laughs> You know, there's not that many people in agriculture that come from that kind of background. I, you know, we, we I, both I, come we I, both come from the projects, you know. I, I find it a little bit weird that you guys think that coming from agriculture automatically means you're not working class. I find hmm. that quite strange. Wow. When I when I when are you when I when I and have no class. So when I I guess when I mean working class, I mean working class in the British term of it. Yeah. yeah, as in scumbag class. And it, and it is true, like, Australia likes to pretend it's a classless society, but that's not true. <laughs> Absolutely um, not. Absolutely not. You know, no. you have these people who go to, ex like, my kids go to boarding school, but they're not 
what a lot of people would think a boarding school is for us. They're simply a place for your child to sleep while it attends a fairly ordinary high school. Yeah, but, you, but you're so remote. You have to, you've got no choice really, do you? Yeah. So people who choose to send their children to exclusive, very, very expensive schools, they are definitely not the same as the rest of us. And, and even like growing up in my life, because I come from a very big family and we were often sort of looked down a fair bit by the, by the neighbours over the fence who'd been there three and four generations and played tennis and, you know, we were usually out at work on the weekend not playing tennis. So we, we were often very much the sort of poor cousins next door. But, yeah, we, we do all right. We make a living. So nine we to, mentioned... Nine to five. What a way to make a living. We mentioned... <laughs> We, we mentioned at the outset there, we mentioned Canberra, and that's because obviously we just caught up with you in Canberra, but we'd had a bit of a discussion just prior to the recording starting, um, talking about um, the idea of Canberra being the capital. And, and a- actually on the trip to Canberra, Andrew and I were having a chat about it, and Andrew was lamenting that he thought Canberra is not the best kind well, of... I said, uh, I said, why are we coming all the way out here to the middle of nowhere when everyone else has got to come? Like, no, nobody's in Canberra. Well, every, the people who are in Canberra are people who should stay in Canberra. But the, but the reality is there's so many people flying in all the time into Canberra. Canberra's a massively busy airport. And it's really only there because of the parliament, isn't it? The city, the town itself. No, well, it was, it was desi- the whole, the whole city. And, was and then, you, then you explained to me that it's because it's halfway between Sydney and Melbourne. I was like, well, mm. yes, so bloody what? Well, uh, no, technically not. not- not, not technically halfway in geographical distance, but it was the agreed point to, to put the yeah. capital. Well, it's, not exactly, it's not exactly halfway should, from they Adelaide. They take or... Parliament and relocate it to Alice Springs, put it in the true centre of Australia, the heart of Australia, relocate it there. Because, like, honestly, the similarities, actually, I don't know whether it's because it's in a territory or whatever, but the similarities between Alice Springs and Canberra I found quite striking, like the amount of abandoned beer cans especially VB tins and stuff all over the street. That was pretty shocking to see. It's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not normal like that. It's just that Matt and I were in town. <laughs> <laughs> um, Bogans in their... That was just us again. There was, again, Bogan, Bogans with their pig dogs on the back, like driving down the main street while all the civilised people are trying to eat their breakfast at the fancy cafes. Um, yeah, Really bad drivers, so many bad drivers. That's just that's just Australia. Disregard to any sort of road rules. Um, yeah, it was it was really just like a more civilized version of, of Alice Springs, and uh, yeah, yeah, most I, of the cars did appear to be registered though in Canberra. So that was one difference. <laughs> one one difference. One difference. Yeah, but, one, one what, difference. but but it does make sense though. Like nowadays with with Perth, the what's population of Perth is three million, three and a half million. You got Adelaide million eight melbourne whatever sydney whatever brisbane it does actually make sense that alice springs should be the parliament like it's equidistant from everywhere almost isn't it yep. or, or, at least, it, or at least or at least in terms of agricultural kind of catch-ups maybe we should be more focused on alice springs rather than canberra or melbourne or sydney or cooper Pitty. Mm. oh no you don't i don't want to go cooper Pitty. stay away from that place um, but yeah, now Alice Springs makes a lot of sense realistically because everyone lives like everyone, all, the, all these official type people live really close to a major airport. The rest of us don't. Hmm. So we need to at least like when I, when Mark and I fly somewhere, we either have to drive to Alice Springs and catch a plane, which is 450 kilometers or drive to Cooper Pedy, 
which is 300 kilometres, and then catch two planes because you can only really get from Coober to Adelaide, so you have to change planes, et cetera, et cetera. Or if we've got to take the kids and drop them off at my parents, we've got to drive 900 kilometres, drop the kids off, drive another 300 kilometres, and then get on a plane and fly half the distance of what we've just driven to get somewhere. It's, yeah. it's yeah. We, we, we drove exactly the same distance, like in a straight, if we'd gone a straight line from here to Adelaide, as what we then flew to Canberra in two and a half hours, took us nine hours to get to Adelaide, took us 11 hours to get to Adelaide, then it took us two and a half hours to fly the same distance to Canberra. So yeah, it seems a little bit. It kind of, it kind of, I suppose, like there's a lot of, I think you mentioned it before, Gillian, that some discussions we've had about the encouragement of trying to get people into into the meeting rooms, into the decisions, into the policy yeah. areas. But for a lot of people, you're probably quite lucky to an extent that you can, you're willing to do that. But yeah. a lot of people in regional areas that just think, what, a day and a half to get to Canberra or two days yeah. nearly and, and it, back and back again. It you is think, too you... hard for a lot of people. And, and oh, especially if you've got kids as well. When you said, when you said, when you said, you know, it's a week, one day's meeting takes me a week, like sort of thing, a couple of days either side to manage and organize and make sure everything's prepared. So for one, for, for, for an eight hour, or even sometimes it's a six hour meeting is an, is seven whole days of rooting around to participate. So, you know, the, and you know, we were on the COVID era, we've all on Zooms and everything like that, but nothing meets a face-to-face meeting, especially when you do have challenging um, mm. decisions to make and there, there are important issues that need thrashing out. You can't, you can't beat that face-to-face environment. So yeah, the, it's one thing to, to um, you know, raise the rate of participation of women and those sorts of things in the industry, but there also needs to be efforts made to address how easy it is for people to participate. Um, not, not, not even not, not even national representation, like even in South Australia, because we're, we're quite Adelaide-centric here, and I'm involved with a couple of government boards. And even for me, it's 1,150 kilometres to Adelaide. And they're like, oh, we want to have more people from the regions being involved. Well, okay, you're going to have to either pay them to go there mm. or have the meeting somewhere else, you know. It's... it's and that's yeah, you know, and I'm I'm fairly lucky when I'm not here. Jill's here to have the kids for school and stuff, so the kids don't miss their school. But a lot of other people don't have that sort of opportunity. We, we don't we don't have a, a school teacher for the kids here because we, so we, we, we were we were we were talking about it a couple of weeks ago with Bryce, I think, from the Rural Press Club, mm. and a lot of people were complaining that a lot of events in Victoria are held in Melbourne, but to some, there's a bit of sense to that because Mel- Victoria's not that big. Yeah. And and the way it's positioned, Melbourne's sort of almost slap bang in the middle in a way. Whereas if you have it in Gippsland, you can have people from the West complaining. If you have it in the West, you can have people from Gippsland complaining. So you just, in the middle, kind of does it. But Adelaide is, like, self is really so big. And yeah. for you guys, it's so far. Same in Perth, like, WA, it's just like... Or come to Perth and have a meeting, and you're in yeah. Karanara or whatever. It's yeah. like, might as well have the meeting in Bali. Yeah. We're only in we're only in South Australia by a hundred kilometres. So like, it's only we've only got one neighbour between us and the border to the north, and it's about a hundred kilometres from our house to the Northern Territory border. 
So we're literally the second last property in SA. <laughs> so I think Andrew Andrew described it as being lucky to be able to attend these events or whatever that you do, but I, I kind of would consider maybe what you've just outlined there that it's not so much luck as maybe passion. I'm guessing, but yes. like, what, what 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 that's what I was going to ask. Why why are why are you both so involved if you're so remote and it's such a bloody fucking pain in the ass to get anywhere? Well, if, you if, know? if we don't do it, who will? Mm. Someday in Canberra. Yeah, like <laughs> people are like, oh, you get to go to these meetings in the middle of these people. It's so fun and exciting. You get to do so much travel. Have you travelled lately? Travel is shit. Travel is horrible. Like, well, the it hotels was shit, are rubbish. It was, it's like, it was shit before because it involved other people. So it was crap. It, it's, <laughs> it is, it's, it's like a job and, you know, it's, it's, you're fighting a bit of a battle because any organisation, like because I'm involved in industry organisations, not government boards or anything like that, but. All of our staff get paid all the time to do all their work. We do get our travel reimbursed and paid sitting fees, which is, you know, fine. Yeah, but you, but it's still a lot of lot of hours out of your day, and, and like you said, organising the kids and everything else around yep. your normal life, right? Just the hours to sit in a car and drive somewhere to attend a meeting and and these sorts of things, and and I think industry like agriculture, probably every volunteer industry in Australia who has these types of representation really need to look at the burden it places on people who sit on these boards because then you, that's when you have lack diversity at the board level because you end up with people who are retired and don't have day-to-day work commitments on the farm. You end up with a lot of men because they don't have to have the same burden of childcare and, and housework generally. There are exceptions to that out there. So it's, you know, diversity and achieving that at national and state representative level means more than just a, a few feel-good training courses and that sort of thing. Like, that's a really good start, but the whole way everything is structured and how board members and committee members and policy council members are, are treated needs to be looked at if you want to get the best people there. See, I've got, mm-hmm. a, I've got, a, I've got a view on, on meetings, yeah, which yeah. gets me in trouble, yeah? And that the diversity for me is diversity of arguments. Or and ideas. Or ideas. No arguments. Because mm. uh, <clears throat> we, we used to always say this, Matt, when we used to work in an actual physical office together. Mm. Some people didn't. Some people like a choir of agreement, yeah? And uh, everybody in a meeting should agree, yeah? But there's an old Scottish saying that too much agreement kills the conversation. And that's how you get to actual proper results is by arguing and shouting at each other. And that's probably not in the AICD handbook or anything for corporate governance. But I do think that when you have, if we have 10 mats in a room, yeah, there's going to be some, there's some great decisions being made. There's going to be some, (laughs) you know, and it's all going to be about going to the pub and, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that yeah. is that is true because but, at any board you ha- you're going to develop an element of groupthink. Absolutely, which yeah. is dangerous for any but, but, organization. So you but, need to have that. You call it arguments. A lot of people, more civilized, might call it diversity, diverse views, diverse opinions, different yeah, life I, experiences. But and, I, ju- and I just I just wonder need. though, like that groupthink. That's a good good point you make like does that group thing is that more likely to occur when everybody's the same i would yes. have thought yeah, whereas definitely. if you if you have if you have somebody like uh i'm just trying to i've got to pick some 
you have a, a woman, a city slicker, a farmer, different ages as well, different yep. education levels. It does create more of a, a different viewpoint. So, and different. And different. So, so I'm not. I'm not. I guess I'm, I, what I'm trying to say is, it's diversity is not necessarily just. It's about getting different views and different ideas across that might not have come to the fore otherwise. Different lived experiences as well. You That's know, the so, one. That sounds yeah. better. Different lived experiences. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. Lucky, I, I finally got it in there. You know, a little bit of word I've been trying to put in. I was going to ask a question though. So, Gillian, we mentioned as well. I think lumpy skin disease was mentioned in the sixth sense. I'm trying to tie it back to the sixth sense. Oh, trying, trying, to try, trying to get us on track and actually just to <laughs> talk just about to keep livestock yeah, well, and stuff. And, and, and I don't know anything about livestock, so I'm buddy. I'm out now. I'm finished. Uh, well, I think you did say the pre preliminary that you're not going to talk much, and then you've just been <laughs> taking control again like normal. <laughs> but that's all right because you, you, you're better at me than this. Um, so I was going to ask you, we mentioned about lumpy skin disease, and, and part of why you're in Canberra was because uh, you're on the Cattle Council as well, was it? Is that is that Yeah, the we had a Cattle Council board meeting the, the Thursday before and the policy council meeting the Wednesday before the board meeting, and it was the hot topic. And we are so blessed to have probably some of the best industry representatives there at that policy council level, led by Dr Beth Woods, who is just incredible. Um, they are all over it. Like, we've got vets, we've got trade experts, you know, we've got the best expertise sitting at that policy council table that are giving really good information back to industry and then also then feeding it back into government because when it comes down to the government's going to be the one who's going to make the rules that the rest of us have to live by and so that's that's a really important role of cattle council is to provide that conduit and that filter to make sure that producers aren't going to suffer but also to make sure that industry as a whole because it's going to affect the whole supply chain it doesn't suffer as well and to make sure that government's getting good timely quality information and and feedback from industry so it, it's lumpy skin disease is probably the most urgent biosecurity threat the cattle industry has faced so far in australia not since tb tb was probably because so tb was actually here and that was a bit of a is it quite is it contagious lumpy skin disease i don't, I don't know anything about it to be honest yeah, it is, it is contagious from livestock to livestock. People don't need to worry about it, but it cuts your production quite significantly in, like, in the terms of milk production, so it will affect your calving rates and those sorts of things. And it looks very unsightly. Mm. So, you know, you're going to get lower, lower prices at the, at the sale yards and those sorts of things, and, and processors are going to be able to buy his cheap cattle and improve their margins so it's it's really important that we manage that um supply chain issue it's a, well. and it's actually it's so just just to clarify for those that that aren't aware like this is a disease that hasn't previously been in australia so it's it's literally on our borders now right and um and if it was to come in it, it's it's one of those things that could become endemic within the country and you can't kind of get rid of it that easily uh you know is that is that the status of the disease that's the real concern yeah that it does... because it's it's a primarily tropical disease and the tropical areas of australia like the far north of australia where they have those big extensive herds not a lot of infrastructure a lot of feral cattle 
really, really hard to get on top of something. Buffaloes, and buffaloes, like you've got feral animals up there running around, interfering and stuff. So once, if it does get to a straight, it'll be really, really hard to control. Does it, does it, does it go into anything else like feral pigs? I don't know if it's transmissible to pigs, but we've got Japanese encephalitis to keep the yeah. pigs worried about, <laughs> to keep the pork industry worried at the moment. And, and, and ESF. Yeah, we've got all these things. It's like, and then and then you know, NFF calls for more uh, investment in biosecurity, and and our ag minister tells us nothing to see here, folks. Everything's fine. So, you know, it's I one of those. Agree. It's one of it's one it's one of those things with whether it's foot and mouth disease, you know, lumpy skin disease, uh, African swine fever, bloody Japanese encephalitis. Um, the it's what you know, like. If you wait too long to do what you need to do to try and limit these things, and it gets in, you, you bug it, right? Well, so um, you know, you've got to be. You... I might jump yeah. in there a bit as well because yeah. I'm. Yeah. I, I've, oh, got yeah. my, <laughs> I've got yeah. my certificate right. somewhere. Mm. My only my only livestock accreditation and training is in foot and mouth disease, and I'm, that's it. I've got nothing more to say. I just wanted to just put that out there, you know. Uh, but he, did, no, he, did, he just needed a little bit of kind of, you know. I hadn't spoke for a few minutes. So. Yeah. Well, are, but, you on the, are you on the register? Because there's a register of. of I'm, on, um, I'm, on, I'm on many registers. Yeah. All the good ones. <laughs> I've got the bad mostly, ones. mostly to do with mental health. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but you the, know, uh, if you have done foot and mouth training, there's a register you can go on and. Um, in case we do have a, a, an outbreak and you become an authorised person under the but react it, thing, but, yeah. but it is a, like it is a major issue like these sort of a lot of people don't take it that seriously especially non ag people because they don't realise the impact that it does have and even like from my point of view being raised in the uh, God's country of Southwest Scotland when we got hit by foot and mouth in two thousand it wasn't just farmers that got impacted it was tourism was destroyed. Uh, yeah. you know and in the UK tourism is a huge industry in country areas it's, it's as big as agriculture yeah. so when you have the end of tourism the end of agriculture in the area it's mad like tourism's not as big in rural Australia as it is in the UK yeah. but it affects everyone it's I think it, I'd like to think that <clears throat> since we've had our own human biosecurity nightmare for these past two, nearly three years, that, that the general population could take it more seriously. But I'm not I'm also not very confident that they See, would because they would they wouldn't understand what if why can't they can't move around if it only affects animals because they a lot of people still couldn't comprehend that a disease doesn't just jump around by itself. It needs to be moved somewhere and it moves on your clothes, on your shoes, on your tires, you know, on your skin. It's good, yeah. There's got to be a vector to, to transfer. Yeah. So I yeah. think the other the other part of the problem is too people are starting to forget. I'm just old enough to remember the BTEC program went through in, in all across Australia, particularly Western Queensland where I was, where we had to master up and test and shoot and or have slaughtered every herd of cattle that tested positive for TB, Shoot. and that cost that cost the nation and the cattle producers themselves cost millions of dollars then. But people have sort of forgotten, you know, it was sort of, it was pushing 40 years ago. They don't remember, like, um, it was, people have been working on their herds of cattle for two and three generations to breed a, you know, a cow that could make them some money. And the government said, oh, here's a predetermined amount of money per cow, send to the networks. You sent the whole lot. 
You know, it yeah. just it, it just a lot of people never came back. We've had to buy in other cattle and 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 yeah, as an industry, we've sort of forgotten a little bit. Prevention is definitely better than cure. Exactly. You know, 100%. If things aren't here, spend some money to make sure they don't come here. And 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 it is lumpy skin disease, foot and mouth disease, African swine fever, Japanese encephalitis, encephalitis. Sorry, is all sort of close by. They're very um, close. Like so, so can, it's, but but lumpy skin isn't in Australia though yet. No. No, it's in Indonesia. No. It is in Indonesia, and and like honestly though, you could stand up at Darwin and throw a rock nearly and hit Indonesia. So like, it's literally right there. And there is so much trade between the two the two countries, and and also what a lot of people don't understand is if if we do have a disease enter Australia, that a lot of our major trading partners will then go, sorry, don't want your product anymore. Exactly, exactly. Or yeah. use it to drive the price down, those sorts of things. Like it, it, it's more than just just the, the the physical cost and the actual cost of production. It would be massive and traumatic to have to destroy herds or whatever. But then. People who didn't have to slaughter everything would then be punished as well because their trading partners don't want our cattle or they'll only take it at a lower price and, and leaves a gap in the market for our competitors to exploit like uh, Brazil and Argentina and America to slip in there to our premium markets. And, and that, that's the sort of thing that disrupts industry for decades. And that's, and that's what happened with foot and mouth and BSE. We, we've, got, we've already got examples from the UK of that. Like BSE, like British beef is still good it's too expensive for the average british person but it's bse destroyed it for a long time like bse in the uk like my mother would if she was in a supermarket and she saw steak from brazil or argentina or steak from scotland she would buy the south american stuff yep because it was just perceived that british steak or british beef was it's not going to make you mad I don't know yeah. if it worked. I don't know if it worked or not, but no. Even you know. even though the UK livestock industry has all these regulations in place about age of slaughter and these sorts of things to stop that, yeah. It, in that public perception, once you know, you don't need too many current affair stories or Facebook posts for people to completely go off their chops and 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 change everything. <clears throat> so, and it's so hard to get people back once that happens, and and that would be devastating. Julian, you, you, you outlined you outlined some of the the risks there just before, particularly in terms of risks to our offshore markets, right? About you know not just lumpy skin, but but these other kind of potential incursions to disease in Australia. But we 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 are not really doing enough from a you know from a from a kind of um, whether it's an industry or political perspective. Is it is it a lack of lead? We're coming into election. Is it a lack of leadership that there's not money put to it, or there's not a program to say we need to make sure we're doing the right things here to be uh, preemptive rather than waiting for something to come in and then go oh, uh, you know, and then scramble to, to kind of cover like yeah. like you know. It's probably a combination of all the above. Really, it's no secret the biosecurity funding in Australia is insufficient and that's why there was discussions I think in 2019 about uh, container levy which means different yeah, things yeah. in South Australia because I think about cans and bottles when people say the container levy but it's actually <laughs> a levy on containers and, and bulk goods coming into our ports and it was only going to be quite it was going to be like ten dollars a shipping container and a dollar a ton or something for, for bulk goods which 
I think is quite a reasonable price to pay and any commodities that we use that would be imported like urea or whatever like that, yeah, pass the cost on because but, it's, it's worth it. And that, yeah. that would pay for increased monitoring, um, enhanced biosecurity measures, whatever. Um, so we didn't, but, we, 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 with, the outbreak, with the outbreak of ASF, like, you know, ASF was... Uh, we didn't have know, an outbreak of ASF. Well, no, no, as in the outbreak in China that, that then flowed through to as close to, you know, Papua New Guinea, the ASF is in there, right? But but we didn't even have, at that stage, we didn't even have sniffer dog in Darwin, in Darwin. Yeah. for anything, right? So, like, isn't that a pretty much a, a glaring signal that we're just not doing... That's, not, a gl- that's, not- a gl- that's a glaring signal that people should have been running their drugs into Darwin. <laughs> If there's no dogs. Which, well, you know, if you've been to the Territory, they probably are. <laughs> there's more but, dogs at the Adelaide Airport to detect fruit than there, than there are at our ports to detect biohazards and, and illegal substances. It's, yeah. And but that's doesn't, that, doesn't that show? That shows that... But, but, but going back to that container levy, yeah? Yeah. Like, there's a similar argument, no? Like, it's not that much money on, when you think of the price of containers. We were talking to somebody who's moving from Canberra to Europe, and when they moved here, it was cost it cost them ten thousand dollars for the container. Moving back, it's going to cost them fifty thousand for the container, mm. Mm. and uh, just because the way the container rates have gone up and everything's gone up, but it's not much. Like it's you know a couple of dollars on a container is bugger all, regardless of what the commodity is. But the same argument is used by a lot of people about EID tags for sheep. Mm. You know, we don't want to pay a dollar for a tag for 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 our sheep, but that would also be a traceability thing that would help with an FMD outbreak. This is well, now, now what Andrew what Andrew's demonstrating here is that in Canberra he spent some time in the casino with some sheep sheep, sheep producers. Pro- yeah, sheep and and so and and so at about at about three o'clock in the morning, I am one of those nights in the casino. Andrew, it just must have it must have been implanted in your brain. Well done, Bonnie Skinner, for getting into Andrew Wattle's brain. Well, just... they made a good choice when they made Bonnie CEO. She's she's pretty switched on. And like coming from a cattle's perspective, we had EIDs rammed down our throats. We had no choice in the matter whatsoever. So it's a bit of a touchy subject, actually, because we we're now stuck with outdated old technology that's falls out and and. I would hate to see the sheep guys caught with the same outdated stuff, but I do support if any animal in Australia, if it lives with people, even your cat and dog, your birds, everything, it's got to be traceable. Yeah, yeah, it needs to be. The traceability is the Traceability is, yeah. is key, especially mm. in a country the size of Australia where, you know, if there was an outbreak in Alice Springs, You've got a, you've got one a real chance to contain it if you've got that traceability, like you know, because we're it's so remote. But also, once it gets out of that initial area in a country the size of Australia, you bug it. Hmm. Whole, you know. Well, African swine fever is as soon as it gets into the feral pig population. Yeah, it's, it's over. Or FMD and yep. the feral pigs is gone. I think they're two separate things. <clears throat> I think the, the traceability stuff is. It has to be in place for when these things do become endemic in our different species. But the biosecurity one, that for me is more about having the money in the till to keep them out. Mm. They're different and they don't. Yeah. African swine fever won't come. 
won't just appear in Australia magically. It'll come here on a person in a shipping container. You know what I mean? It won't just manifest itself in the middle of Alice Springs. It's got to come here by human intervention. So I think that we've, we've got to have a lot harder line on our borders for that sort of stuff because everyone thinks it's, oh, it's only a farmer problem. But when they're paying three times as much for their every single commodity, oh, why didn't the government do more? The other part of it is, too, the government wants to be the hero that fixes the problem. There's no there's no hero status in taxing people more money to fix a problem that never exists. Well, that, that's the thing I was saying about leadership, that if you're, if you're making good decisions as a leader and then you're not getting the problems come up because of the good decisions yeah. you've made, then it's hard to say, oh, we, we, we stopped it, so we're great. Yeah. You know, can't where is it? say I'm a good leader if you've never had any problems because you yeah. fixed them all before they came problems. Which don't, is, want, don't want elections that way. No, I, I, Mark just said something that made me like have a conspiracy theory there. Maybe I need to get my tinfoil hat on. Oh, but maybe, go on, go on, come on. Maybe, love, love a conspiracy maybe theory. Deliberately not investing in biosecurity so they can rise, raise the price of proteins like animal proteins to make everyone eat plant-based protein to save the planet. Maybe that's a deliberate conspiracy. <laughs> it could be Agenda 21 that they're going to just starve us all and reduce yeah. our population. Even yeah. a green, definitely. <laughs> Well, we talked about. We talked know. about. We talked. Sorry, we talked about leadership there, and we're coming up for an election. Mm. Oh, you, you've, you've probably that your house has probably been politicians knocking on a door every single day, wanting to speak well, to, wanting to get your opinion. <laughs> we we had the, our local federal member came for Smoko breakfast actually the other day um, for the state election for all the good that that did them. Um, <laughs> yeah, where we live. Because we are such a safe seat, we no one bothers. We don't exist. So I take it it would be nationals, has it? That's no, no. Seat? Oh well, there used to be no nationals in in South Australia, but they've recently reinvigorated themselves. And and uh, one of the candidates who ran for the state election but was unsuccessful is now contesting a federal state state uh, seat as a national. So. Yeah, no, Labor and Liberal, the only two parties really that exist in South Australia. You've got a couple, you've got SA Best and. Yeah, they've changed again. One, I think we've got a couple of One Nations kicking around, but. Um, no, 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 Clive Palmer's. One Nation could potentially fix it, Mark, because you were talking about shutting the borders. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the borders made no difference to me. I don't go anywhere. <laughs> But one nation, they might, they might be the ones that one, might... having one nation in power would be conducive to anything in Australia. I think, like, there any any type of extremist, be it political, religious, you know, dietary, they're not not to be entertained. Well, I don't Mark... think it's their extremism. I think it's the people that that are attracted to their brand of extremism are the problem. Yeah, most well, politicians, most politicians do and say stuff to be popular. The trouble is sometimes you don't want the people that come along with that popularity, I think, is yeah. the problem. The rollout, the rollout of the election, we, we, I just was looking tonight and I heard on the radio today as I was heading to the pig farm, Andrew, um, that with you know the Clive Palmer campaign that he's been running for, for March, he spent, I think it was $3.5 on the advertising campaign of the ads. 
I thought you were going to say he spent three and a half million on his lunches, but <laughs> well, that as well. But um, but but then they said, oh, the combined expenditure for uh, Liberals, Labor, and Greens has been about seven hundred thousand. So he's spending about you know thirty seven um, five times as much. But that's, on... that's but that's probably way cheaper than way less than they would spend in the UK or the USA. Like, mm. I don't think we spend that much money on election year. But his return to... on investment's quite poor, really. Like, well, maybe, we'll maybe, maybe, maybe that's why his mining company's always gone bust. <laughs> wait and see. see. Clive wait Palmer see. doesn't get much of a run in our house because we had friends who worked at the Yabulu nickel, nickel <clears throat> refinery in Townsville and they've got no super and no, no wages. <laughs> exactly, but he can spend three and a half million in a, in a month for advertising. But like the... The interesting thing was, like I said to the missus tonight, I'm actually now, because the ads are so ridiculous, the, the most recent one is um, they're going to keep the interest rates below 3%, even though the RBA fixes interest rates, not the politicians. But anyway, let's not get let the truth get in the way of a good uh, a good election slogan. Uh, but I'll be interested to see with some of the, like nowadays I look at the ads and I think, bloody, they're just saying shit that doesn't mean anything or it's just absolutely just, popular. Just wait, just wait till my electioneering for the 2026 election. Everyone's <laughs> going to get discounted Crocs. Yeah, we need to bring the truth. Black pudding. Well, I would have thought free, 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 but free in, Crocs. In their, defense, in their defense, it worked for Trump. Yeah, yeah well, that, well, that's why I'm, 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 I'm actually genuinely interested to see because the last time around he didn't do so well, but this time he's going again, but it's post-COVID now, right? And there's been a lot of crackpots that have come out post-COVID. So um, I'm just wondering, just that stupid one yeah. slogan here or there or, you know, um, one thing, one, one of my personal favourite is where he goes about the Anzacs coming back to save Australia and then he talks about then superannuation well, he's bringing- being invested overseas and to bring the superannuation back. And I think that's not very relevant, but he talks about, you know, War heroes and and it, maybe it rings a bell with some people. But it's, it's, um, it's, what is it's bring back the power, isn't it, or something? <laughs> something. But, that, but that's the kind of slogan here, and it was in the nineteen thirties and in Europe that was Trump. It sounds like, very like, Nazi-ish to me. But it, but it's all about it's all about putting power back into people, and it's all nonsense. Uh, like all of these promises are, are nonsense. And vulnerable, they they believe that sort of stuff. But I wonder, I wonder, I wonder if in a post-COVID world, whether it's going to ring a bell like Mark said with Trump, that you know, <clears throat> people, some people aren't that um, interested in politics, and they don't really follow what's going on, mm. and therefore they are easily swayed, right? And I just wonder. You know, in that political field, like, has it ever been something for yourselves, Gillian uh, and/or Mark, that you, you know, you, you've got a, you've got a voice and you've got a profile in social media, and you, you've been on these policy councils. Is is the next step to go to to politics for for either of you? Well, you know, there, there was a lot of talk around the cattle council board with some of our appointees that oh, well, you know, people come to the cattle council board because they don't take it seriously. It's just a stepping stone to politics. And I, I look around at what we do at Cattle Council and go, how can this be a stepping stone to politics? Because most of us are really honest, genuine people who are there for the good of industry and, and politicians generally aren't like that. Um, and, and, like, uh, I couldn't do it. I couldn't sell my soul to be part of a political party. I, I would rather die than have someone tell me what to do and say and think. I just couldn't mm. do it. <laughs> I, I, have enough, I have enough trouble... Um, towing the line, I suppose, when when we have to we have to administer pieces of legislation with some of the boards I'm on that 
have to be done because that's what the legislation says. That irks me enough, let alone having to do deals with people about what you can and can't get done. It's just like, if it's the right thing to do, do it. If it's not, don't. You know, it's not, why does there have to be a negotiation around it? So, yeah, not, not for me. I, I'm, I, couldn't, I'm just, I couldn't enjoy the backstabbing bit of it either. I wouldn't like that. I'm, well, I'm, I'm just going to announce that I'm running for 2026 on 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 a on a on a on a platform of free Crocs. No discounted Crocs. Discounted no, well, discounted they Crocs. Be, they can't be that expensive to make. Surely you could do free Crocs and bring discounted that, bring Crocs. Bring manufacturing back into this country. We will no longer make our Crocs in China and Taiwan. Crocs will be made here. Plastic from the seas and rivers to make Crocs. <laughs> aren't, aren't Crocs just modern day clogs? Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, they, so you could just make. Can't make them out of wood. We could make them out of wood in Australia and rebadge them and, oh, and, and, have, and kill the koalas. Do you want to really want to kill the koalas? Yeah, you know, I learned not... something really interesting about koalas the other day. Actually, I've been fascinated by this ever since I learned. They've all you know got how, like, a, a normal person or animal's brain is like all crinkly, right? Yeah, and, mm -hmm. and that's that's what makes you have like certain power cognitive. Yeah, because you've got you got more you got more 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 surface area of brain. Yeah, so a koala's brain is completely smooth. Ah, so, so they are really dumb. Dumb, yeah, okay. If you put a bowl of leaves in front of a koala, it won't know what to do with them because it doesn't acknowledge that they're food. You have to that's why you have to give them a branch. Like it it doesn't know that's a leaf, that's a leaf. No, if it's not on a branch, it's not a leaf, can't be eaten. Well, aren't they? Aren't they? Aren't they? They spend twenty-three hours sleeping, and 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 I think they get kind of somewhat stoned on the eucalypt that they eat. So, you know, it could be a yeah. like the, the like, brain might have, over the years have just kind of been numbed into nothingness. Like <laughs> like watching Married at First Sight. For people oh, watch that yeah, too I much. Can't watch that trash. But like, a lot of people hold our native animals like in such high regard, especially the big ones like kangaroos, koalas, um, emu. Like, emus they're all I like, I like emu. dumb really like what like and and so and all these really cool exciting ones like numbats and the little paganels and and hopping mice and those sorts of ones that are really cool and cute no one wants to know about those the cats can eat all those but as long as we save the koala and save the kangaroo that we've got literally ca ca kangaroos we're, not going gonna, we're not gonna we're not gonna have a discussion here around <sighs> yeah we are anything can't, about can't, cat cats cats and killing cats and some kind of thing to get rid of cats that's that's poison for podcasts and for I've listened <laughs> no, I've can, listened I've you could poison them I've, no I've listened to Warwick Long bloody on the country hour as soon as he mentioned cats and some kind of thing to get rid of feral cats he, his popularity just we should dies. do a, we should do oh, a family because people love their cats and and like that's the same reason why you can't control feral dogs or wild dogs because people love cats and dogs and but, but, just, but this is the problem that kangaroos are nearly extinct. I read that in the on, Wall Street Journal. It was on. Yeah, it was well, on today. It was on today on the country area in Victoria. They, they had some crazy woman on from um, where was it? Somewhere up in bloody Fruit Loop country in um, yeah near um near Dalesford. Um, well, I've got kangaroos outside my house. No, uh, she's driven from. I saw one kangaroos spot. on the street in Canberra. How endangered can they be? Canberra is no, also a... the home of rabbits. They should need to release oh, a lot of rabbits. Khaleesi virus or myxomatosis there or something. It's overrun with rabbits. <laughs> but, well, maybe that's one of the policies. Maybe that I'll run that as a policy. Yeah, yeah. Get rid of the rabbits, bring the crops Turn, back. 
Rabbit, uh, rabbit. You could rabbits out of rabbit fur-lined crops. That's exactly what I was going to say, fur-lined. And use, uh, use the rabbits to feed all the homeless people in camp because they all look pretty hungry. Yeah, we saw a lot of homeless people. So, like, use the rabbit to feed them, then use the fur inside the crop, and you got you got a fortune right there. It's interesting. You see, you see, I didn't see any homeless people when I was when I was there. But well, there's not many homeless people in the casino at three a.m. in the morning <laughs> but, discussing street policy council. Um, but the well, yes, anyway. <laughs> but anyway, as, but but it is funny because like, you go to like Washington D.C. Yeah, and Washington D.C. is the capital of the world. Blah blah blah. And it's absolutely chock full of homeless people. Like, you can't move for homeless people there. And just say, maybe it's a thing with capital cities. The seat of power has the seat of homelessness. Yeah, I don't, like, in a country like Australia, I don't think anyone should be homeless. Like, I know it's a very complex issue and a lot of it's deeply rooted in mental health and, and that some people, you know, can't, function. adhere or function and, and, and maintain that sort of thing, but... You know, the fact that our services aren't even funded well enough to provide basic care for really vulnerable people, and it doesn't matter where they're vulnerable, whether they're vulnerable in the bush, kids struggling to get an education or vulnerable on the streets of Canberra, the fact that we can't do that is pretty disgraceful, actually. Mm. I think it is. And like I, and this is where it comes down to, like from a policy point of view, I did one of those things the other day, Vote Compass, uh, where it, abc thing where you put in a couple of answers and then it tells you where you are in the political spectrum did it come back you were a green voter and no i kind of just came in the middle really and just it just sort of said you're sort of economically conservative and socially progressive and i think that's that's the thing there's no real parties anymore that really cover the middle ground there was a political discussion on a couple of days ago there's only about five percent of voters that actually change their vote from election to election. So the whole the whole game is all won and lost on about five percent. Have you guys? So, have you have you guys? Look, I'm not going to ask you who you're voting for, but have you guys over your history of voting? Have you guys ever changed your votes? You know, or, or are you in that five percent? Well, it's for us. It's because like. I know that it, it's the campaigns are run as like a giant popularity contest and like you got to vote for Morrison or vote for Albo or whatever. But realistically, you have to vote for the person who represents your local area and hmm. is going to do the best job for your area. We just have such a lack of choice. Quality you, candidates. You, you could really, choice. you could really tick any box. Throw a dart, you'll get the same result. You really mm. could. And <laughs> and and also like our incumbent Rowan Ramsey's been in his in the seat of grey for how long? Fourteen? No, longer than that. No, no, no. He took over from other old mate. Yeah, he's been there while. for a very long time, and it's a very safe liberal seat because it encompasses all a lot of farming country down in the in the Air Peninsula and that of, of South Australia. So, yeah, it's would it wouldn't matter like. I, I honestly don't think it matters. But isn't that it? Isn't that isn't it though? That five percent, those 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 elements that are the swing voters, don't they? It, it, particularly when you're in close elections, don't they? Don't they make the difference? But yeah. there's not enough of us in our electorate. Like you need five percent of the people who live in Sydney or Melbourne or that. Need, they're the it, ones. It needs to be enough that can turn a seat. Like the five percent of the three thousand people that live in our electorate are not going to make much of a dent. And <laughs> and that five percent they were talking about the other day, 
that 5%, about 90% of that 5% are in marginal electorates in Queensland and WA. Yeah. Mm, so that's what makes all the difference of, us, of those. All yeah. of us regular types in the middle, we're, we're, we're really not, um, which is sad. Well, we all make a difference. Obviously, that's why we bother turning up to vote. But I'll just turn up it, for the hot dog. And, and, but, but honestly, I really struggle to see, apart from the different, um, the different spin, what is the difference? Like I really oh, uh, genuinely, I genuinely 100%. can't look across the political spectrum and see one bit of difference till you get till you get all the way to the sort of greener shades. I can't really see any difference. I was talking to somebody today about it actually. I can't remember who it was. It might be new, might might not have been. Mm. But when you when you sort of look at like the the state the world's in, yeah, and the way the world currently is, you know. Nobody would have done any better or worse over the last two years. Well, I would have done better, but that's just me. But but nobody could have done better with the economy. Nobody could have done worse with the economy because it was such unprecedented sort of stuff. Whoever was in charge was going to end up with a huge deficit. That was just what's going to happen. Inflation, it's got nothing to do with government policy. Government policy can't change what's happening in Ukraine. It can't change what's happening in China. So... Whoever wins in May, or is it May or April for having an election? May. May. May, May 21st. But they're both going to be left. Whichever party wins, they're going to be left with a shit house, And then they're going to have to try and fix that shit house for the next three years. So it doesn't really matter. And there's only so many things a government can actually do. Like a government can actually offer to bring back the manufacturer of Crocs to Australia. But... They've got my vote if they do. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Anyway, that's my winch. And it is like, uh, yeah, so many, like the social policies and the enactment of the social policy, and that's why if you, you know, social media is a really good example, especially Twitter seems to be really, really... Waste uh, of time. Morrison's the devil. Um, I don't really have strong views either way because, yeah... Well, what they, you know, you mentioned well, about we, politicians we, and political parties make massive promises and none of them deliver. So they're all just more of the same. Well, you but mentioned the one thing we, they know, none of them want to do, though, the one thing they could genuinely do to make a difference is reduce the number of people who are being paid by the government who aren't doing anything, mm-hmm. who aren't productive, who aren't actually, you know, not actually doing anything. I, through even at state government level, people that are in this sort of mid-range management, all they do is sit around and read reports and pass them on to the next person, they don't actually do anything. Like there's thousands of people around Australia doing that and getting, you know, 100 grand a year plus parking plus, you know, and that's the only place they can really save money, but no one wants to do that. So, But I think yeah, I uh, only, only, only way I can see a government making much change is actually stepping back. And just saying, let people operate. Smaller Remo- government. Smaller, smaller government, government. You know, just lick businesses. Like, I don't really consider people to be farmers anyway. Like, I know you mentioned earlier on, Jillian, that a woman up until recently couldn't say that they were a farmer. Well, I don't really consider farmers to be farmers anyway. Mm. I consider every farmer I've met is just a businessman yeah. or a woman who happens to be in the business of farming. That's it. But it's just a business. You operate a business with certain levers, and if you made it easier for you to do business, 
made it easier for mm. Matt and I to do business. Mm. We'll, mm. Make, we'll make loads of money off of pigs. Yeah. And 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 selling black pudding and selling and black haggis. pudding, but, um, but, it, but it's just making it easier. We we mentioned we mentioned uh, Clive Palmer's party, but one group of, of, of kind of independents that are that are starting to get a bit more traction are these what they call the teal group, which is that climate two hundred, yeah. which are actually, I think they're economic economic conservatives, often from kind of blue ribbon kind of liberal seats. So they got the economic credentials of a of a liberal type person. But they're also climate um, change kind of, you know, concerned. So they're kind of like a mix between, you know, an economic rationalist and a green to a degree, you know, in the sense that they're, you know, do you think they're going to get a bit more traction? In, like, I think there's about 200 or 300 candidates of those running, um, oh, you know. Look, they might. They might get a bit more traction. But all they'll probably do is, in the in reality, split the vote between the two majors. That's um, what I think. That, uh, that's what I think is going to happen. I think we're going to go down the German path, where for many years Germany had these um, minority governments in power that had to be a conglomeration of three or four parties, right? But yeah. but then does that isn't that what we want? Isn't that diversity? In it in is action? diversity, and you know it might be a way to push forward and push through some better policy, or at least see that policy enacted, because you know they've all got policies but enacting them is a different story and you know the the independents or more diverse parties the only one i can't really come at is the animal justice party like <laughs> what a waste of space um but next next but week's guest is the animal justice party yeah. there's people out there who will vote for that lunacy but um it's it might if if we do end up with a parliament that is more diverse we might end up with but again, it, it comes down to that horse trading and this doing deals and that sort of thing. So I think then you'll find out the real caliber of people who get elected when it comes to that trading and dealing to get outcomes. Yeah. So yeah, it'll be interesting to watch anyway. When, so I, I'm when, gonna yeah. oh, sorry, go on. Sorry. When 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 the idea of being a statesman or a statesperson, I suppose, these days, doing the right thing for your constituents, when that left politics, which is probably a fair while ago now. I think that's when all this sort of political toing and froing really got started. It, it's I don't think there's that many people that are genuinely, you know, heart hand on heart there to do the right thing by the people they represent anymore. Like they they think they are, but you know, there's there's plenty in it for them to make it worth their while along the way. So they go, oh, well, you know, I'm I'm doing what I can and I'm doing okay at, at while I'm doing it. So you know, there's very many people that had put put everything on hold i think part of it's because we pay so little as well like mm. our politicians are relatively low paid all things considered compared to ceos and even um, managers in government departments are paid a lot more money even electricians yeah yeah, yeah. Jeez, how, yep. see how much you pay um, bloody trading so you know truck drivers in the mines that can often earn as much as a as a low-level politician so um Analysts. You know, is that are we attracting the right sort of people to that job yeah, because yeah. they're using it's the it's the power and influence that they'll gain, not not the reward for service, I guess. And and that again, it comes back to all representative boards. You look at the how you treat the people who are willing to step up and serve. Because you know, I don't I don't get any free stuff or get any preferential treatment because of the boards I'm on. Um, so there needs to be some sort of, of, of tangible benefit for doing it because doing it out of the goodness of your heart, when people ring you up all hours and abuse the shit out of you, 
or, or want to write you nasty emails or I had one woman make several different identities and send me many different messages <laughs> of, of increasing craziness, um, you know, that wears thin after a while because you're not paid to put up with that sort of shit. And it doesn't matter how much you love your industry or, or love your people or love your country, eventually it'll wear thin. Mm. So, yeah, it's politics in Australia is cooked, really. Like, not quite as cooked as America. Nah, they have America's. Got, America's just a bin fire. Um, but, yeah, that's so, what yeah, this this um, this elbow trade off. That's an American presidential style election. That's exactly where we're heading. Yeah, so. and I think I don't know. I'm going to call election just now. Okay. Oh, here we go. Uh, here we go. Here we go. Uh, because I've picked Matt. How many elections have I picked? Uh all of them. All of them. <laughs> In seriousness. No, all of the ones since I've known you, all of the ones since I've known you. Which so that's are, in the last in six years <clears throat> or seven years coming up. Brexit, every single every yeah. British election, every Scottish election. Um, as soon Israel. as we get off, as soon as we get this podcast, whatever you say, as soon as we get this podcast, I'm putting straight onto sports bet. That's it. Ten thousand dollars, me and Stephen call us. And uh, it's it's going to be liberal. Liberal nationals will will win. Oh, here we go. Fucking hell, radio. It's, it's, was, is it, who's that guy? Is it Jonathan Green who calls your elections? Anthony Green. Anthony Green. Well, Anthony. Anthony. Oh, sorry, Anthony Green. So big Tony. Yeah. Uh, Tony, yeah. Tony yeah. calls it on election night. Yeah, I call it earlier. That's that's, <laughs> a, that's the service you get. We'll from. we'll see. You'll have to you'll have to do another podcast <clears throat> straight after. Yeah, yeah. And, so liberal. So try and get Anthony Green. Come on. Uh, and my. <laughs> My, that's, my, a, that's a challenge we accept. That's a challenge we're accepting. But 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 my views behind it are that we are in a very difficult time economically. There's a lot happening. We've had COVID and stuff. And whilst things have not been managed all that well, people are. And I'm talking when I say people, I say the general average punter in Melbourne or Adelaide or wherever else. In a period like that is more likely to stick with the status quo than what they don't know. They don't, they don't nobody knows who, if I, if Anthony Albanese came up to my door, I wouldn't know if he was a politician or the postman. And that is not an unusual thing. Like obviously. Yeah, but until, until you asked him about the unemployment rate and if he didn't get it right, you go, well, <laughs> he's, oh, he's not the postman. The postman, he's not the post, the postman would know that one. But, but the reality is that people don't know if what it's going to be like, so they'll stick with the status quo. There you go. Oh, we'll have to wait and Time see. Timestamp that and yeah. Yeah. go with that. Straight on to sports bet now. And the odds are good as well. The, 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 odds, the odds have actually the odds were higher, but they've actually narrowed now because of the gaff around because, the... Because people have been listening to this. No, because of the... I was going to say. The gaff on the unemployment rate is 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 seen a, the odds narrowing for the Liberals. So it's you know it's a, it wasn't the best of uh, moves by Albo for Bugger. Which is hilarious because how many average Australians know what the unemployment rate is? Nah, they or wouldn't have know. They wouldn't have, or... they, have, they wouldn't uh, have know who the prime minister is. I wouldn't think. <laughs> but I don't know. It's it's going to be an interesting one. But I, I do think it will be Liberals. Uh, I I think interesting is one way of putting. I just wish it was over now. Just like. Oh, absolutely. I, I said to Jill, I said, they, there has to be a rule. If you're going to put anything on Twitter that's got a political nature to it, you have to all use the same hashtag. 
So we can mm-hmm. mute, mute those yep. tweets or you're yeah, banned between the last election. What's the hashtag? I don't care. Pick, Pick one. one. Pick one amongst <laughs> yourselves. I'm not, I'm not interested. But if you don't ha- use the, can we go with, can we the go with... name hashtag, you're off Twitter till after the election. Can we go hashtag Mark says no? Okay. <laughs> I don't mind. But I, I just think it's, like I said the other day, but nobody on Twitter, like you talk about that 5%, yeah? That 5% is not on Twitter for a start, yeah? I'm one of those. I'm, I'm a, I'm, uh, in the last four elections, I've voted for different parties every time. Are you, are so you going to make, are you gonna make a decision based on some meme or somebody saying that Scomo's a bad guy, Adam Brown's no, a bad guy, no, Albanese's no. a bad guy? And that's no. all it is. Like all, there's, no, yeah. there's no quality to any of the posts I've seen. It's just always been, oh, he's a bad guy. Yeah, oh, he's yeah. a he's a baddie. Yeah. Well, great, but why is he a goodie? No, it's always it's always on policy. But in the last four elections, federally, I've voted for different parties in every last four election, as in four different parties. You know, well, including I, well, mine's is a, mine's is a, a diehard Labour area, and mm. it doesn't matter who I vote for because I think it was like eighty five percent Labour in the last election. No, and and so I voted for the Flux Party. That's it. What? They're the ones. They're the ones you like the most. The I like them party. the most. Flux Party is a party with no politicians. Oh, and that sounds like a good plan. They've just got an app. And so when a policy thing comes up, local constituents can vote, vote on the app. Vote against or for or against it. Ultimate democracy, I guess. It's, That's what it's it is. Uh, political <laughs> things in my household growing up were always very interesting because my dad, very blue collar, his, his granddad was a shearer, was involved in a shearer strike, et cetera, et cetera. So labour, labour, labour. My mum, on the other hand, daughter of a bank manager, liberal, liberal, liberal. Liberal, there you go. Yeah. Well, I mean, I voted, I voted liberal, I voted Labor, I voted Green, I voted Animal Justice. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that stupid. We usually, don't, we usually don't get our postal votes in time to get them back anyway. They usually turn up about the day before the election. Then it's two weeks they get back and they don't use the account anyway. So well, I didn't get to vote in the state election. Everyone else's postal ballot ballot turned up except mine. So I'm I'm waiting to get the letter saying why didn't you vote and it'll be because yeah. you send me my it was election. rigged. It was yeah. rigged. It was rigged. It's silencing me. Yeah. It's my, a it's a conspiracy. My great grandfather would never vote. He had a row with the government and um, when he came back from the war they wouldn't give him a return soldiers block. Because he forged his mother's signature on his investment papers because he's only 15. <laughs> and they'd write him a letter saying, Why didn't you vote? And he'd say, If I were to vote, I would run the risk of helping a politician into power. And I wouldn't want that. Because <laughs> so, he's standard response every election. So. It's, I don't know. I, I don't like the compulsory voting, if I'm honest. I think it should be removed. But that's just me. Well, I don't know. I think we've been talking for a long time now. We have, we we've, have we've taken up lots of your time. Oh, it's, been an, it's been an excellent discussion, though. I don't um, know how you're going to manage to magic this into some sort of listenable. <laughs> uh, it'll just go. It'll, it'll go, go exactly, it'll go exactly as this. <laughs> that was, was some, somebody asked. No ma- have a look at us. There's no magic. There's no magic here. <laughs> The magic, the magic is in your heart. Um, but the it's in the listeners' hearts. We're but, bringing the magic. So, somebody did ask that the other day: is how long do you spend editing them? Because they're so long. And I was like, <laughs> editing? What's, what's, what, editing? What, what's editing? What's <laughs> editing? We put we put some fabulous music. We put at some fabulous music at the start, and that's it. And that, that's it. 
There you go. And look, this is the whole point of the podcast. It's just having discussions. Well, we didn't get a chance. We didn't get a chance to chat to you in um, in Canberra slash Alice Springs. So um, <laughs> now now it's a good chance to have a quick chat before uh, before yeah we don't we see you next time in person another yeah. year or two. Yeah, in yeah. a year or so, whenever that will be. Although we've got the Growing SA live um, Growing SA conference coming up in August, but I, I didn't see you on the uh, on the well, draft program list. We so haven't been asked. I mean, ask, we're, we're not, we're not there's, up to standards. Let's have a look and see who's on it. Oh, there's someone, someone important. I was supposed to be at last year's one, so. Oh, I, we've had some changes since then because we did get a new CEO at Livestock SA. And then um, so, did, so, did, so did GPSA as well. Things are changing there a little bit, so. But it's between us and grain producers and, and you know, those grains people, they're pretty compared to us slowly if it wasn't for if it wasn't for covid we were actually hoping to on the on we were going to drive up to from from melbourne to darwin for the um live export conference last year but then um but then and we're going to stop you should should live stream your trip well we're going to stop in and catch up with you guys in person on the farm and help out a bit but um that got that got that that got canned that got canned because of COVID. And we, we, and had this... the, we had a car booked for it because yeah, I wasn't going to use my car because I had can't no. um, yeah. And we, uh, We'll go do an Ag Watchers road trip from, you know, imagine that. That'd be like a movie, wouldn't it? Be Andrew and Matt going to Darwin. Fe- fe- fear and loving in Alice There's Springs. There's plenty of hitchhikers you could pick up too on the way for the entertainment. <laughs> I picked up some uh, vegan hitchhikers once at uh, Coobapiti and, um, that was really awkward. We were about three quarters of the way to Marla and, and, you know, so about two and a half hours into the trip. And um, I said, oh, do you guys, you know, because they were French, are you struggling to find something to eat? You know, how, how do you like the Australian food? And, oh, actually, we're vegan. I was like, oh, okay. Because I've just just, been jump, telling them just jump out, just jump out jump right here. <laughs> <laughs> right when they were nearly at their destination because, you know, been talking about where I live and what I do and how we kill our own cattle and we eat a lot of meat. <laughs> but some, like, let's be honest, like some, there's two types of vegans, yeah? yeah? There's there's the militant, you know, but then there's other ones who just, it's then a choice. there's the other one. There's this other one that is, who's all right. And, he, and I used to play ice hockey with a guy. This is a funny thing, yeah? I used to play ice hockey with a guy and I was exactly the same situation. I moved to Melbourne and, uh, and I was playing ice hockey. I was in the changing rooms and, uh, you know, sat there chatting away. He was asking what I do. I said, I work in agriculture, blah, blah, blah. I've got a pig farm, blah, blah, da, 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 da. And then I said, what do you do? And he says, oh, I'm the marketing guy for Animals Australia. <laughs> 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 and I was like, right, okay. And look, we played ice hockey. We knew him. I could still know the guy. And we, had, we'd, we would have pizza after a couple of games. And he would just have a... Like a special a, pizza, but he never, he a, never boring, made a, big, a boring one, a boring, a boring one. one. No. He just have a bit of bread. He just uh, eat the box while everyone else was eating the pizza. <laughs> but it was, but he was all right about it. And that's a funny thing. Like he was, he, he just sort of said, "Well, like I just, I don't really like meat, and yeah. I work at Animal Australia as a job." And I think I've got a feeling he works for like a fashion company now, yeah. uh, in marketing. But it was just, he was all right. Like. Yeah. It, he never made a deal of it. I had another, I had and, another and guy who, who was the People opposite. People can choose to eat whatever they want, but the minute you want to tell other people what they can do, then I've got a problem. And like, there's plenty if of. It's pl- not illegal <laughs> and it's not hurting anyone. I don't care. Don't and want to pl- hear about it. <laughs> and plenty of people will sort of turn their nose up at black pudding and haggis. Yep. 
and they'll say that's mm. disgusting. Blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. And whereas you know, I just I just say, well, knock yourself out. You can eat that all day. I don't care. Just I'm exactly. not gonna eat it. Wow, more for us. More for, more us. for us. Food's food, really. <coughs> just not tofu. No, we've tried. To- we have tried tofu in many different ways. We've had it in laksa. We've had it fried. We've had it in stir fries. Every single way is gross. Yeah, it's just. Well, it just it just tastes like a marshmallow that doesn't taste nice. No, it, yeah, it's just it's just, just like just like a marshmallow with all the good stuff taken out. All, all good stuff taken out of it and made to feel a bit greasy. So yeah, it's like a big wet mattress foam or something. It's like uh, in water. That, my you, my, uh, my my son and I refer to it as toad toad food. Right? As it as we we eat a lot of halloumi here because it goes really nice uh, with bacon and eggs in the morning. Uh, yeah, we call yeah, that yeah. non That's, non-vegetarian. Tofu. tofu. <laughs> that's proper. That's proper tofu. Fr- nice that's bit of fried, fried halloumi. Yeah. That's yeah. I can get into that one. That's not toad food. That's um. No, that's good. That's seriously good food. Oh yeah. I know. I know. We said we we're going to finish up, but one of the things that I did find from going back to the UK in January and December is how pr- I know it was it was veganuary or whatever it was called. Oh, yeah. but, but what I was surprised with was how prevalent vegan food is now. Everywhere, yeah. but nobody was buying it. <laughs> like, Funny, like I went and we have we have a bakery called Greg's in the UK. It's oh yeah, with the sausage rolls. But every 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 corners has a Greg's on it, and they got great sausage rolls. Yeah, four for a pound, fantastic. And <laughs> no, they are good. Food's cheaper in the UK. Four for a pound. Well, I wonder Cheap where those kid. sausage rolls. I yeah, think it was. My, it, I don't know if there's a lot of meat in them to start with, actually. Get, so. your, get your horse meat sausage rolls right <laughs> here. Rolls. You're going down a path, Matt, there. That's sacrilege. Uh, <laughs> but, they, uh, but yeah, I went into the Greg's on the, like on a Sunday and I thought, well, I'll get some sausage rolls so I can walk along the street and have something to eat. And they didn't have any. And then there was a big pile of these vegan ones, a big tray of vegan ones. And I think maybe one of them had been taken off of the tree. <laughs> And but they've got eight places where trays could be for the sausage rolls. But you've just basically got a queue of people coming in for sausage rolls. That's all. That's the main thing they sell. It's the main thing people buy is the sausage rolls. And but these vegan ones are just sat there, no one eating them. But I, I was quite surprised by the, the amount of food, like black v- vegan black pudding, vegan bacon, vegan everything, and it was everywhere. But it just wasn't selling. No, and it's. Um, it's not even to cater to the people who actually eat it. It's it's to it's to I think it's so brands can feel like they're being inclusive, so they don't get called out on social media and have a social media pile on. Like because when people say, "Well, why don't you sell vegan food at McDonald's?" McDonald's just say, "Eh, it's not worth it because no one will buy it." No, for the big marketing to keep their good profile, they you know, oh yeah, we're going to have a vegan burger and we're going to do this, that, and everything else. And it's meaningless. It's you know. There's plenty of other options out there if you want to be a vegan that don't involve highly processed shit. Well, I, I, I like I we I like a lot of Indian food, and I think Indian vegetarian food is nicer than Indian meat. Yeah, most they, of the time, because it because that's but it's not a processed product. It's dal. No, it, it's it's cooked from it's cooked from scratch, and like you can buy ready meals and that sort of stuff, but it's not it's not manufactured into something it's still it's a meal not, it's, not, it's, not, it's not trying to be something else it's yeah. it's, it's, it's its own meal dish. no it's it's a it's a dish made with pulses and grains and 
opportunity. Yeah, and, and, and that, that, that's the point Andrew's making, that those dishes in their own right are nice dishes, those, those vegetarian dull dishes or whatever. And if you're a vegan and eat that stuff, you're getting the proteins you need uh, to a degree um, from that, right? So if you're not keen on eating meat, just don't eat meat, but don't have a product that pretends to be meat uh, because well, no one I, might, I, don't, no I, don't, I actually don't even mind that either, if I'm honest. What I mind most is don't tell people you're bad for eating meat. Don't say yeah. to people, "Oh, I can't believe you're eating that. You're gonna, you're gonna end up with blah blah blah." Yeah. Jeez, we're all gonna die eventually anyway. So enjoy life because meat's good for you. Anyway, we <laughs> are getting off people's business. Really, like well, that's probably it, really, isn't it? Like my rule, uh, none of my business what people do in the with their diets or whatever. I don't care. It's a bit like Bob Carter said, you know. <laughs> I can't be bothered I, with I, these I can't, people's, people's, people's proclivities when people, there's people dying from crocodiles and Darwin as we speak. People want to eat meat or something. Yeah, right. I it. think I think we're getting silly now. And as the <laughs> as the mature one on the call, that's, a, that's think, the signal. That's the signal that we need to wrap it up. So, yeah, Jillian, Mark, a good chat. Thanks, thanks for coming for along. Having us on. Really, really liked our time. It was Thank great. You. It's Thanks a shame, so we, shame we couldn't have had a beer in Canberra, but I'm sure there'll be other times. Oh, well, you oh, know, we'll, we'll, we'll I catch have you again. industry commitments to be hanging about with the likes of you. <laughs> we'll catch you again. <laughs> we'll catch you again sometime. Hopefully you're just as shiny in your outfit as what you were yes. on the in Canberra. And, oh, um, I do love the sequins. <laughs> well, wait till you see my sequin kilt. We'll see, <laughs> we'll see you, um, when you when you've got nothing on. Ciao for now. <laughs> All right.